0: we're human beings we're not brown white yellow black I mean those are colors those are crayons this piece of chalk you know we're human beings and and I feel that we need to look at us as human beings and understand that we all have different experiences I mean if we learn a little bit about everybody's culture maybe we'll be a little bit more understanding of one another
1: (laughs) For the Marin Council of Chambers, I'm Stephanie Plant, and this is We Are One Marin. But that was Frank Gomez, owner of Wink Optics in San Anselmo. When Kalina and I sat down with him, he went to the heart of the We Are One Marin campaign's mission. How do we promote social equity in business and in community right here in this county? From his childhood in one of Sacramento's poor neighborhoods to his early career in the emerging rave culture, Frank has made the most of his opportunities. Even after he started selling sunglasses, it wasn't enough to be the rep. He found a way to own the shop and be the optician instead. As he grew his number of locations and took on a partner, he remained true to where he started by advertising as a minority-owned business in a predominantly white area. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, this episode may sound a little different, and by different, I mean it's a little bit longer and the subject matter is more sensitive too. You will hear our conversations about domestic violence and racial equity, and you'll hear some of Frank's personal opinions. Stay tuned for our deepest dive yet, as we really talk about how Marin works. We have the pleasure this morning of meeting Frank Gomez from Wink Optics in Mill Valley and son Anselmo. Frank, thanks for joining us.
0: Um, pleasure to be here.
1: So let's hear a little bit about your business. From cosmetology to optics. Tishin. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that transition?
0: That was a big change, <laughs> but but working with facial anatomies and hair color, yeah, they're related because it's still style and fashion, and you're looking at facial anatomies and hair color and haircuts, and then you're pairing this fashion piece with medical. So once you put a, a prescription lens into a frame, sunglass or clear, it's now a class three medical device.
1: Mm-hmm. Regulated by the FDA. Okay. Can you explain what class I don't even know that I don't class three medical device. I don't think <laughs> I've ever heard that term. Yes.
0: So it's like topicals. You know, that would be like a class three. So optometrists can write a prescription for topicals. Class one would be your like your opiates or stuff like that. So contact lenses are a class three medical device as well. So regulated by the FDA.
1: Because you need a prescription to obtain it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yes.
0: Okay. So it's it's interesting, and that's why you don't pay tax on your prescription eyewear.
1: Oh, <laughs> cool! Another another handy <laughs> consumer tip right here. <laughs> that
0: you wouldn't think about right. Yeah, so
1: so this is going to sound super um, basic, but an optician is different from an optometrist is different from an ophthalmologist. Can you would, just yes. because I had to go look it up? Yes
0: we most, both did yes I bet <laughs> most most people go are you an obstetrician
2: <laughs> oh no <laughs> I don't not know definitely okay. not that I know. I know what that is I, know.
0: I work from the neck up yes. they work from the waist down <laughs> and I want to keep it right
2: there
1: oh my god <laughs> and you're going to be doing stand up this weekend where yeah. <laughs> I know
0: well too bad I Terrapin closed right? I'd be over I mean, there right so the difference between an ophthalmologist is they're a medical doctor okay and they do surgeries, et cetera.
1: Uh, eye surgery.
0: Yes. Okay. And then optometrists now are trying to get a, a little broader scope. They can manage glaucoma. Mm. Um, they can do topicals, prescribe topicals, and it depends on the state. And then the difference from an optometrist to an optician is we choose the correct frame for the facial anatomy and then marry the prescription that the doctor prescribes into the correct mm. frame.
1: And sometimes the frame and, and the prescription won't.
0: Go together. No,
1: and then you provide the service of uh, eye exam from the optometrist in your stores, correct?
0: Yes, in Mill Valley, we've done that for quite a quite a while, and then we just added San Anselmo just two months ago. Oh, so we have Doctor Tim Tandro, who was an optometrist in San Francisco for forty years, and then we just have Doctor Nina Margulis from Mill Valley. Unfortunately, during COVID, her practice closed, Mm. and. her loss, but our gain. And now her gain is she's in both locations. And mm. she's very, very happy. We love to have her. So she's great.
1: And full disclosure, I have actually uh, had my eyes examined by her. <laughs> and I have been purchasing glasses from the Mill Valley store for a long time. You guys are well enmeshed in the community there. I, I was involved in the local swim team and got to know your, your partner, Quinn, that way. Um, I do think it's fair to say that the chambers of commerce nominated businesses to be featured in the ads in the ij and then we solicited for volunteers to mm-hmm. be in the podcast just lest anyone think that we're we're in a um stephanie's friends in podcast <laughs> frank is giving me new goals for glasses uh, right now um if if all of our electric
2: green aviator
1: styles
2: <laughs> if all of our
1: listeners could just see
0: yes and if you put these under a black light they glow uh oh. Oh.
1: Come oh, on. Glow oh, in yes. the dark.
0: If the black light is on, like when you'd go to a club, these things, because my kids have a night light that is like a black light. And it has all these things. And then when I went in there one day, they go, they call me Otosan, which is uh, father in Japanese. They're like, your glasses are glowing. <laughs> and I used to be a club promoter. So throwing raves and everything too, which isn't on that list. <laughs> that's oh, that's not on
1: your resume. Box. That's weird.
2: left that on your on, LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> I left that on
0: LinkedIn, but I used to promote nightclubs um, for almost 20 years. Wow. It was pretty fun. Wow. I, I've, I always explain to my wife, uh, you have nothing to worry about. I'll never have a midlife crisis. So <laughs> I, won't, I don't need the Porsche or anything like that. I'll just stay with my Prius and my Tesla. I'm yeah, good I to go. I did that
1: before. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so you mentioned your kids. You have two?
0: I have actually three. So I have a 23-year-old who's about to graduate from San Diego State.
1: Wow. Congratulations, thank Dad. Thank you very much.
0: And, uh, and then I have nine and 10-year-old daughters.
1: And your own background, if we may, a little bit.
0: So um grew up in Sacramento, born in Sacramento in 1966.
1: Oh, wow. I wasn't going to ask you yeah. that, but okay. Yes, <laughs>
0: so I am your elder, so please show me a little respect. I'd appreciate it during this podcast. <laughs> Go be kind.
1: <laughs> you don't have me by much. Kalina, on the other hand. I'm just going to stay
0: quiet. She's a baby. <laughs>
1: she's a baby. You have my respect. Oh, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> well, the, funny, the funniest story about Kalina is, I had no idea. So I get the call about the podcast and uh, she goes, oh, you know, you fixed my glasses for me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I have never met you before. (laughs) (laughs) And then she told me that Dave brought this Chanel to me a few weeks ago and he goes, a friend of mine broke this frame. What can you do? And I said, "Um, repair it and then
2: they're on my face right now
0: and they're Chanel they look <laughs>
2: fabulous
1: did you recognize the glasses when you came in today
0: yes but she had mentioned that I had repaired them but then I knew right away
2: yeah
0: <laughs> so I didn't I hadn't met her but I knew who it was, who she was from the frames that were on her face that is
2: great in most rooms I have the best glasses except for in this room you two <laughs> are kicking my Chanel's well mine are lavender <laughs> yeah she got lavender spectacles we're gonna have to take neon a, we will get a picture black la- yeah uh, we will get a,
0: a glass and, and we're wearing the same brand this is our brain uh, as well we so didn't even it.
1: know we didn't plan it no nope. yeah. <laughs> so clearly the glasses business seems to be where you've settled
0: well it was interesting um so I went into the opticianry and I was making probably millions of dollars for these doctors over the years and then I happened to go on match.com <laughs> and that's how I met my wife at the time and uh, she later on we started dating and she said you know because I was working in these little optical practices and she thought you should really get your own place you know you have this drive and you know why are you working for people hmm. and after that I ended up getting a job in sales somebody saw potential in me and it was interesting for so many years I was always saying oh somebody gave me a break. And a couple of CEOs and a couple of my mentors said, no one gave you a break. Mm. And I was taken back. I'm like, no, no, this dude gave me a break. And they're like, no, if he didn't see potential in you, he would have never gave you the job. <laughs> yeah. So you need to give yourself a little pat on the back because sometimes I always give everybody else the thanks. And, and sometimes you have to thank yourself and we forget about that, especially being I feel like people of color we're we're always thankful for just getting a break. And mm. sometimes we forget to kind of thank ourselves.
1: My grandfather used to say, it's better to be lucky than good, which <laughs> I mean, that, that expression is not uh, unique to him. Right. But you have to be in the right place at the right time, working hard for someone to notice you, meaning, right. which is what I think you're saying. And also you have to recognize the good fortune that is in front of you.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so I, I, I took the job with Maui Jim, and I don't have a four-year degree I don't have a high school diploma. And so uh, I was, like, smoking these people in sales. And, you know, on sales teams of 100 people, there were only two or three people of color on the sales teams. But it's great because I I had opportunity, I ran with it, and I never looked back. And then so I had built relationships as a sales rep with my accounts. So San Anselmo was one of my accounts for Maui Jam.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I had just started with Maui Jim in 2007, and I was in Santa Rosa. And all of a sudden, uh, one of my accounts goes, Oh, you know Jeff's selling? I said, No, I had no idea. So, I hopped in my truck <laughs> and I drove as fast as <laughs> I could from Santa Rosa to Cinnatel. <laughs> and I said, Jeff, you didn't tell me you sold. He goes, Yeah, somebody put money down. And I said, Well, why didn't you think of me? He goes, well, I, You know, you just took the job with Maui Jim." So, I took all the money I'd saved from promoting clubs and and I bought it.
1: Somebody else had a, made a deposit, but and you then were it, able And to... then it
0: failed. Ah. It, it fell through. So he called me says, if you're still interested. Hmm. And so that's how I was able to acquire Sin and Somo. And then it gets even more interesting and funny is then Quinn happens to be a sales rep, my business partner in Mill Valley, for these little readers called Visualites. Hmm. And so she came in there one day and I was like, oh, well, here's the places you should go. And literally, I'd only been in sales for a year. So <laughs> I'm... Here you should go here, here, and here, and we talked a little bit longer. And then, as I'm leaving, she goes, "I have a feeling we're gonna, you know, work together sometime or do something." And if you know Quinn, (laughs) (laughs) she kind of knows things ahead of time. Yes. So I called my girlfriend, who is now my wife, and I said, "Hey, I met this crazy woman," (laughs) (laughs) and you know, she says, "You know, we're gonna be in business together." And I she's determined very determined. And if, if, if Quinn is the implementer and executor, she's the queen. Yes. That woman gets stuff done better than anyone I know. And so, um, she comes to me six months later and she goes, Hey, you know, they're ready to sell in Mill Valley. And I had, I had met with Michael Quinn before. Michael Quinn, Irish Quinn.
1: Got it. (laughs)
0: Q-U-I-N-N, not Q-U-Y-N-H, like Quinn. And, uh, I said, well, I'll help you open it, but I don't have any money. I just put my life savings. And she goes, well, I won't do it without you. Mm. And uh, from my old rave days, I had this credit card with a pretty great credit limit. And I took the cash out at 7% interest. (laughs) Oh, wow. And took a risk. And that's how we acquired Mill Valley. Mm. So pretty cool.
1: And speaking of... Not giving you a break. It wasn't a break. She said, I won't do it without you. Yes. That is a compliment for
0: sure. Oh, I I love Quinn. And and through all that 2008 and 9 and 10, if it wasn't for Quinn, I would not have San Anselmo still. Mm. And the owner of the building, Christine Howey, unfortunately passed away. She would let us pay sometimes two months late, three months late of rent. So... We were very fortunate to have people that also helped us through a very tough time.
1: Well, I think, you know, in life, we're in relationships. And in business, we are too. And that, that landlord-tenant relationship, if there can be some give and take, it, it certainly helps small businesses
0: survive. Oh, especially in 2008 and definitely now in 2020, 21 and 22.
1: Well, and you said you were literally going into people's homes to bring them glasses repairs. Yes.
0: We had to we had to f- um, furlough everyone, and mm-hmm. I just sat in San Anselmo five days a week, sometimes six. Picking up the phone, returning messages, emails, whatever we could do, and then we decided that we weren't going to charge for repairs or adjustments where everybody else does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Nose pads, cloths, sprays, cases. We just gave them complimentary to give back to the community that really is, has supported us for years. It was a way to give back to anyone. That was what we did. As long as it didn't cost a lot of money to do the repair and I could do it there, we did it mm. complimentary. And we still do to this day.
1: That's a great service. Uh, it's, and, and speaking of service to community, I think as we spoke, as we were getting started here today, it seems like community is really important to you
0: all it is about community. And I feel that we have not really focused on community. I, I feel that we've kind of put it on the back burner um, because it, you know, life is pretty stressful, as we all know. And especially during COVID, it's been pretty tough. But um, when COVID hit, we made it our mission, Jenny, my manager and I, to promote every other business in San Anselmo on all our social pages over ours so every single day almost every day I would go and promote a business because my feeling was that if they survived my business would survive and so that's why I feel community is very important and because of that I've joined our DEI committee in San Anselmo and the economic development committee as well hopefully to bring more people of color um, to bring their businesses to San Anselmo and how do we facilitate that. And not just to send in some, to the whole county of Marin, let's be honest. Sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Sure. Speaking of just this subject about minority-owned businesses, I am looking at an ad for your business. So let's see. Congratulations. Uh, you were selected in the Marin IJ Reader's Poll. Uh, Wink Optics, Best Eyewear Store.
0: Yes, we were very fortunate. Um, we won in 2021 and 2022, which we did that during the pandemic. And, and you have to put this into perspective. Um, one store, as you know, in Mill Valley is only 200 square feet. Mm-hmm. It's small. It's half a bowling alley. <laughs> there are a mean, lot of glasses.
1: There are a lot of glasses in there, but half of a bowling lane. That's... Yeah.
0: Think about that. <laughs> yeah. And then San Anselmo, our retail area is only 400 square feet. Mm-hmm. And so we do all that in a very small footprint. But what we can do is we can control service, quality. And then the experience that you get by having a smaller footprint. And for the County of Marin to vote us over all the bigger um, optical places, um, we're so fortunate. And to add to that, Marin Magazine in Uh, 2021 as well. So we're very, very.
1: And I notice in the ad you've got 100% minority owned right here in your ad. I'd like to talk about putting it out there. Some businesses. And and by no means have we done a representative sample yet. But some proprietors, I think, are concerned about whether or not to advertise that they are minority owned. How does it work for you?
0: It's a great question. We felt the same way. But once we were highlighted in the We Are One, uh, Quinn and I spoke and my wife, who's Japanese from Japan, came here at 18 mm. to go to college. Mm-hmm. So we had a conversation and... We're just gonna own it. And and if people got offended by it, that's not my concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only in charge of my reaction. I can't control other people's actions. So that's on them. But I'm actually in control of how I react to everything. And so we're gonna promote it. And we choose to find people that are qualified of color as well. So my manager is Ginny Ramajo. Her family came here from Guatemala. We have uh, Cecile Alano. Her parents came from the Philippines. We have Alex Guzman, who is from Mexico, her family. Um, and we have LGBTQ um, community also working in our location. So, But even my cousins, who are Black and of Latin descent as well, walk. And they're like, dude, I can't believe there's, there's no people of color except for the restaurants. I, said, <laughs> I know. Um, Even on our street, downtown San Anselmo, it's really only Caesars Bicycle Shop and and us that are really minority-owned. The African-American woman that had the uh, studio there, the art studio, moved to Mill Valley on Mm. the corner, Desta Gallery, and she's doing really well. I I was sorry to see her go, but she's doing extremely well, so I'm very proud of her.
1: That's great to hear. So let's get back to you a little bit, if we could. I know you don't want to talk about (coughs) yourself. I noticed we got... Sacramento. Right. And I did hear that you've made a lot of success out of a, a little bit of education.
0: Yes. I usually don't like to talk to myself, so that's why I kind of say, wait a I caught each that. Each time you guys kind <laughs> of come back to worry. But I um, grew up in Sacramento. Um, I mean, that's going to get a little deep. My father was an alcoholic, I uh, was physically abusive of my mother, yeah. um, you know, but they got married. She was 16, he was 21. Um, he quit high school, went to go fight in World War II for, uh, for our country. And uh, they met at dance because he used to love to dance. Mm. And uh, my older brother was born when my mother was 17. Wow. Mm. Yes, so children having, you know, children. children and then had uh, another older sister that was three years after that. And then another sister. And then there was an eight-year gap. And from my understanding, uh, my younger brother and I were the kids to save the marriage. Oh. <laughs> and uh, we're we're only seventeen months apart, mm. as usually you know they you know so people always joke like Irish twins. It's Mexican twins. <laughs> <Next> <laughs> they always, they say, Don't say I give the Irish all the. You know. And then uh, they once he started putting his hands on the. The younger ones. My sister's eight years older, and, and us. She left. She wouldn't allow it when it was her. Your mom left. Yes, my mother. Yeah, when when when, mm. when he was doing things to her, that was okay with her. But when she started, when he started putting his hands on us, she bounced so fast it was wild. Mm-hmm. So uh, and then after that, you know, grew up in neighborhoods that most people in probably wouldn't walk through at night. You know, Oak Park. Um, that's where all my black family's from. And then we grew up in Franklin Boulevard was mostly a lot of Mexicans over there. Campbell Soup used to be there and, you know, just all the low riders and cruising <laughs> and stuff and then Southside Park. And then, uh, I got into junior high and then, uh, we lived, we got out into a little better neighborhood cause my mother would walk people to school. But there were times like when we grew up in Franklin Boulevard, um, there was something called the 39 cent hamburger stand and, uh. It's all we could afford, you know. It was 39 cents for each item. And as, you know, later on in life, she would say that she would sit there as we were eating and she would just salivate because she would just drink water. But she wouldn't eat. Mm. Yeah, she couldn't. I mean, I... Or like were on were
1: six kids? No, no I, I, well,
0: there, there, at that time, there was just my younger brother and I because the other ones were older. older. You know, I talked to my brother about a lot of this stuff. I, I forgot about a lot of these things. I, um, you were young. Well, and I... Put them, a, them. I put them in. I yeah. put them. I put them into a box. As, and my yes. younger brother remembers everything. Mm. We lived in like, I think we counted during Christmas. And my wife was just like, "Whoa!" it was like, "25 or 24 homes by the age of 13." We were constantly always mm-hmm. moving because that's whatever we could afford. Or, mm-hmm. So, and then my mother found a place, and then she was working a few jobs, walking kids to school, um, just whatever she could find to work because here you had somebody that was 16, had no education. Mm-hmm. What kind of job could she get? In the seventies and eighties. I mean mm. she was she didn't know and she was raising two young boys. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're not on camera, but you know, you can't always judge a book by its cover, like you know, like some people I say have privilege. They're like I guess I have the privilege of not really looking too Mexican. I mean my skin color, of course, but no one really ever even goes, Oh, you're Mexican. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they go, Oh, you got a great tan. So when I when people talk about marginalized or disenfranchised, you can still have those experiences, but you don't look Mm-hmm. like you went through it. So this is not just for Mexicans or African Americans. Mm-hmm. It, it happens to all of us and and like I mentioned to you earlier, we're human beings. We're not brown, white, yellow, black. I mean those are colors. Those are crayons. This <laughs> piece right. of chalk. You know, yeah, okay. we're human beings and and I feel that we need to look at us as human beings and understand that we all have different experiences. I mean, if we learn a little bit about everybody's culture, maybe we'll be a little bit more understanding of one another. Instead of sitting there going, well, you're white, you're Asian, you're brown, you're Mexican, you know. So that's how I feel we could probably get away from this divisiveness is stop throwing the the color around all the time. And I know other people feel differently about it because I've spoke to them. The people when they're speaking say, well, I, I want it labeled that way. I feel that we need to get away from that a little bit. I think we just talk about different cultures, the experiences, and own what have happened. You know, Acknowledge it, teach it, and if we taught everyone that, uh, we'd probably be a little bit more accepting of one another.
1: And you're teaching that to your children.
0: Absolutely. It was interesting, a couple of years ago, because um, we embrace their Japanese culture, so they speak Japanese, they read, write Japanese, they go to Japanese school every Saturday. So when all these kids, are playing sports, my kids are doing Japanese school. Mm. And then in the summertime, when the kids are off school, they go to Japan and go to Japanese school there. Oh, wow. So um, a couple years ago, somebody came to school and goes, oh, well, you were our enemy. And my kids are like, enemy? World War Two. Mm. So some parent must have just said that. So instead of being the helicopter parent that we see a lot in Marin, I took a different approach. I kept my mouth quiet. I didn't go to the principal. But when... It was Notori's turn to be Star of the Week. Hmm. I took her kimono, and I took the pictures of Girl Day, which they have in Japan every year on March 3rd, and I went and approached it differently. I said, well, when all of you are going to school on Saturday or off school on Saturdays, she's learning Japanese. And I said, hey, what's your favorite fruit? Almost all of them said what? Japanese. So I turned lemons into lemonade. And you can do that without making that divisiveness. Why go to the school and make a big deal out of it? A lot of people do that. Um, when there's way other ways to make people feel welcome and appreciated and understood.
2: I agree. I had a very similar experience growing up. Being biracial and growing up in Marin, it was difficult in a school setting. And I have an advantage of being Native Hawaiian. That is, I think, an ethnicity that people look at as exotic. And so it doesn't have some of the negative connotations and stereotypes that a lot of other people have to battle. And even yet still, like I hid going to hula. I danced hula in Richmond when I was in elementary school and it reminded me your story. We had a show and tell. I remember being so nervous and just, you know, nervous for being different. People have so many questions about you in a different way that if you go up and share about you know your dog or something right. like that to reveal something that makes you different and sets you apart coming from your parents when they're really supportive of it. It's empowering. But there is, as a child, a vulnerability. And I think kids, no matter what is setting them apart and making them different, it's hard to embrace that especially when it's a racial minority here and everything is so white.
0: And and then people accepted it, right? And they were actually Yeah, to now questions.
2: people always just assume I'm a hula dancer and I haven't danced hula. Right. Like. <laughs> and that's what, that's what happened to Notori. Yeah.
0: After After the class, they all went up to him and were like, oh my gosh, it was so cool and oh, can we touch the kimono? Mm-hmm. So it's like there's always different ways to approach things and to see that you look – I mean, I, I wish people could see – we had a camera because you could see the look on your face, you know. <laughs> it's just – it's great because – it, it, it's it's stuck with you for how many years now
2: mm-hmm. 20 something there you go yeah. <laughs> see so
0: it was a defining moment for you
2: definitely and that celebration and i think even when we were talking about this podcast that came up a lot of like what is the actual act of advocacy here for minority-owned businesses and it was like is it the subject of our podcast is it the center of our questions no it's just extending an arm that act in and of itself or going and embracing your daughter in that way instead of making a combative moment. Those are the kind of things that just an extension of an arm, right, is what we need.
0: <laughs> well, I'll say it this way after what you just said. I had no idea what to expect on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing the hula dance right now. Because
2: yeah. <laughs> oh. I was very nervous. Oh.
0: Because it is true, though, because you don't, I don't know how Miranda's is going to accept this. Mm-hmm. And you just don't know. I mean... Those are the tough conversations that we don't talk about over here in Morant. We need to get more people thinking that way, feeling that passionate about it. That's the difference. How do we do that?
1: I was just going to ask you.
0: (laughs) You tell us. Well, this podcast is a start. Mm -hmm. You know, um, getting more people of color or even people that are marginalized and disenfranchised or don't have as much that make it to your point. Mm -hmm making it and making a difference and mm-hmm. how do we motivate them to make the difference because if you look at a lot of people of color that kind of get to that area of financial uh, freedom they kind of forget where they came from mm-hmm. mm. so back to what we were talking about before we started this no one talks about the socioeconomic or the class component so the point I bring up quite a bit in town is a uh, You're cool with me if I'm living next door to you or my cousins who are black. As long as we fit into what you feel Mm -hmm. is um, acceptable, let's say, from a socioeconomic or a class, the way we look, dress, Mm -hmm. speak to one another.
1: I think awareness is right up there with perspective.
0: Awareness is, I think, it's even better than perspective because they go hand in hand. Um, Without perspective, you don't have awareness Perspective brings awareness because all of a sudden now you're going, you know, both your heads are shaking. What is that making you think about or how you feel when we talk about these certain issues? And that's what we need to do. You know, you reach out to your friends. Mm-hmm. You reach out to your friends. I'm reaching out to as many people as like, yeah, <laughs> well, I can. And
1: I think that that goes back to what we can do. We talked about bringing more employees of color into Marin, more businesses, own, business owners of color, uh, more customers, frankly. Yes. Uh, more families but what what you've done in in the town of san anselmo to promote the other businesses on your street uh if if that guy three doors down or that woman three doors down if her business succeeds then then that then all the boats on the ocean rise when the tide rises you're you know you're, you're doing something good for yourself i guess on on one level but ultimately i think it's about helping each other
0: that's interesting because someone i was talking about it and i was mentioning it like If we all did that, it wouldn't be just San Anselmo. It'd be Fairfax, San Rafael. It'd be all of Marin. And so we have to get the businesses together. And what you're doing, this is amazing. And so, you know, I'm doing the bowing to you. We are not worthy. (laughs) You know,
1: know, we can't do it alone. And we're so grateful to our our friends and colleagues at the Marin Community Foundation and at the Marin IJ and all of our chambers of commerce because that's, That's another way that we can lift businesses up. Mm -hmm. Uh, The local chambers, their CEOs and staff, they work really hard to promote and and support local businesses.
0: Oh, when I was approached, I I was like so excited because what you're doing is giving everybody a louder voice Mm -hmm. and more people to reach. Mm -hmm. This is what makes a difference.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We value your time. Oh, yes. Thank you very much. So let's um, get louder in community together. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure.
0: The thank pleasure you. is mine. Thank you to both of you very much.
1: If you want to join the conversation or make suggestions, reach us at weare1marin at gmail.com. For Wink Optics San Anselmo, visit sunglasscity.com. To find the Mill Valley store, go to winkoptics.com. The Marin Community Foundation generously sponsors this podcast. Our theme music is performed by a student at Enriching Lives Through Music. Elm is in San Rafael's Canal neighborhood. Finally, a reminder to support diverse local businesses and shop Marin. Marin.